I'm Jim Wills, and this is the Art Unknown Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. My ego is huge. My ego is bruised. I, th- I think that at the end of the day, art is, is what connects us to, to our souls. Focus on what inspires you and lights you up inside, and that's what's going to light other people up, too. When I've experienced films that are transformative, I feel like it makes me able to understand the world better. So if you're an artist and you think that you got something in you, close the door. Work. Make art more than you're thinking about art and the rest will figure itself out. This week on the podcast, I'm very excited to have a mu- musical artist that I came across sort of happenstancely, if that's a real word, happenstance. But I think that <laughs> there's a lot of synergy in that because there's a lot of commonality in our lives and in the things that she's into. Her name is Mary Bew. She is originally from Princeton, Minnesota. She calls Minneapolis her home now. So she's a Minneapolis musician, singer songwriter. Uh, she plays piano, guitar and many other instruments we'll, that we'll talk about. She's a, a music, an instrument collector of sorts, if you will. Uh, she's toured uh, extensively across the US and she's released eight albums to date. So she's got a long musical career that I'm really excited to talk about. She's also a yogi and a yoga instructor and leads uh, yogic slash spiritual slash musical type retreats, which we can also talk about. Mary Bew, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jim. Super happy to be here. Awesome. And right now you're not in Minneapolis. You are in Oregon. Is that correct? Correct. I'm in Cannon Beach, Oregon, which is where um, Goonies was partially filmed. The movie oh, Goonies, right. if you recall. Yeah. 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 Goonies! <laughs> so the Haystack Rock, exactly. <laughs> the big Haystack Rock is where they hold up the, the key, the coin, and kind of match. Remember oh, that? Oh, find scene? the cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, wow. That's so. cool. Are you getting ready for a a tour there or to play there, do some music? I am. It's actually a a long story. I I could get into it more later, but I I booked this cabin as an escape from Minneapolis because a a traumatic event happened to me there in Mm -hmm. the winter. Okay. And so I just, I, I hit, I hit rent on this cabin (laughs) in Cannon Beach, just as a healing journey, really. And then oh, I go. had no idea with COVID what would happen with touring. But my agent, I 2020 was the strangest year because I also got an agent, a great booking agent. So he's putting together a tour for me at the end of this. Oh, cool. Okay. Cabin All stay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's get more into that. But before we do, I know you've listened to a couple of the episodes of the podcast. And so yeah. I always start off asking the artists that I talk to about an inspiration. So I'm sure that you kind of expect this. <laughs> so, <laughs> I do. And if you don't, guess what? <laughs> I'm looking for inspiration. <laughs> share right. with me, if you will, something that inspires you, something you carry with you, something that as an artist, as a musician, that that really inspires you from day to day. Beautiful. Well, it's a very broad answer, but sure. nature inspires me. Nature inspires me. I'm um, always 
finding the forests and finding the water and finding, you know, here I found I'm seeking the ocean. Like I'm such a lover of watching the ocean and large bodies of water. Mm-hmm. So, um, so being in nature, um, the patterns in nature, waves, clouds. And last night I was watching like the wind blowing sand. Oh, wow. Just like it was, yeah, I was like on this really windy beach in this town called Manzanita. And, um, I was like hidden behind the sand dune because the wind is so intense there. It's like a big kite flying place. Sure. And I was just like hidden behind the sand dune. So the wind would come by and it would move the grains of sand in this like really mystical way and like make these sort of swirling patterns on the sand. And this morning on the ocean that I was thinking how like that swirling sand pattern matches like the swirling of water. And, you know, I just, I, I get really obsessed with thinking about like things like the wind and water and how like the earth is carved by these elements of these power, you know, the overtime rocks and gorges and, you know, so just, and how we are part of nature and for better or worse, mostly worse, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. you know, right now, like the creative sure. force. Yeah, exactly. The creative forces of nature um, without and within is really inspiring to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I get nature, and I said this in the last interview I did because her answer was also nature. And oh, awesome! Yeah, I get that, and she's a visual artist. So here I have a musician uh-huh. who inspired by nature, visual artist who's inspired by nature, and I get that answer a lot. Uh, photographer that I interviewed gave nature as a as a as a reason. Many visual artists are inspired by nature, and what what I find interesting about that is, you know, as we go back through sort of the history of visual art especially mm-hmm. I'm sure it's true of music, but especially visual art. I'm thinking of, you know, early artists, what did they paint? They painted nature, you know, still lifes of apples and flowers and, you know, Monet is famous for painting nature and, and other artists. And so I, I know that nature is definitely an inspiration in the arts. Do you find that inspiration connects with your music as well? Do you like, are you inspired? You go out and you hang out on the beach and you watch the sand swirl or whatever. And then you, does that inspire you to create music as well? Or, lyrics or things like that? Yes, definitely. Um, I'm a runner, so I'll run almost every day, like at least a 5k and I'll get lyrics. Like, so I'm, I'm running in nature, obviously outside. I'm not like a big treadmill kind of person, except the winters in Minnesota can be so brutal (laughs) that I will sometimes seek a treadmill, but yeah, the, the words will come and just like thoughts will come when I'm running. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll sit somewhere beautiful with my notebook and write, write poetry, you know, <laughs> when so, you run, yeah, definitely. Like, so let me ask you this. When you run, do you listen to music or anything when you run or do you do run silent? I used to be a total silent running purist just to yeah. like allow, <laughs> but I found in the last few years that I like music really pumps me up. So I usually... I have a, a love hate with Spotify, but I, I do the Spotify <laughs> shuffle. You know, I learn about a lot of artists that way and then sure, follow sure. them. But, sure, sure. but so I'm kind of, um, I'd say more I'm listening to music, but here when I'm now I'm like running on the beach and no music, just the waves. You there you know? go. Nature has its own soundtrack right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So if you're, so if you're running, if you're running and then all of a sudden like the thoughts of uh, song inspiration comes to you, like, how do you deal mm-hmm. with that while you're running? Do you stop and right or you know how how does that how does that work well thank 
thankfully I travel with a small computer, you know, our, our like smartphones, you know, for sure, sure. <laughs> so I can just pull over and um, just talk into my, my audio or type, type some lyrics. Um, okay. A note to okay. myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great, Helpful. it's a great tool. That little recording. Yeah, totally. yeah. I could see you running down the beach. Uh, da, 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 like yeah, doing the yeah. lyrics. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Oh yeah. So so why don't we get into your your story as an artist, your story as a musician? I'm going to assume that most of the people who are listening to uh, to the Art Unknown podcast have not yet heard of you. I, I know we have some fans in in Minnesota, Minneapolis, and around the country that may have heard of you. But if you will share your story, your musical journey with with our audience, you can start from any point from a young girl. You can start you know at at any point along your career. But you know, tell us, tell, give us a little bit of the journey, if you will. Well, let's see. So I grew up in small town Minnesota so I'm starting at the young girl point (laughs) and and my mom my mom is a piano player and organist and she was always kind of the music director of our church so I I grew up in the Methodist church okay and um you know we weren't like saying blessings before meals or anything like that but you know it was like a community and we were pretty involved my mom and so I was at a very young age inundated I would say with hymns like these Methodist hymns yeah, yeah. and there's sort of like a melancholic quality to to hymns and and certain ones would really like I the the joyous ones didn't really do it for me but like the sadder <laughs> like more mournful hymns would really like the 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 arrangements of like the harmonies and stuff like that so um so I feel like that sort of early on penetrated my psyche and then okay. in fourth grade, my mom bribed me to take piano lessons. She bribed you? Because she bribed me. She bribed me. She hates that I tell this story, but um, <laughs> she, so I did not want to play the piano because she played it and we, you know, mother, daughter, there's, there's something, you know, we're, sure, we're sure, good sure. now, but like, I just did not want to, but, but she paid me $75 a year. Wow. to take lessons i know and that's like that. you're getting paid from an early age the age of nine you're like already making money as a as a musician oh god it all went downhill from there no just kidding <laughs> <laughs> oh god but yeah so i i took from a neighbor who also sort of bribed me with candy when i would you know practice and she could mm. tell i did <laughs> candy but but i uh so at fourth through eighth grade i i took piano lessons and then um I started playing alto saxophone in school. Mm. And then in eighth grade, I started getting into um, like indie rock or alternative. It was like the early nineties. Okay. So, so there was a, we picked up this really cool radio station, Rev 105, which was coming out of Minneapolis and Princeton was able to get it thankfully. And I just, my mind was blown with so much cool cool alternative rock you know rock, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like I need an electric guitar and so in eighth grade I got an electric guitar and self-taught I got this like how to play songs by the campfire book and I taught myself chords and oh, wow. I had like a whispering of a band with a few friends but nothing we were just talking about it nothing really happened and then in high school, I got more and more because I played piano well and guitar not not as well. Um, so I, I became obsessed with Tori Amos and like Fiona Apple and yeah. these like, you know, very prolific. Strong female figures. Exactly. 
and super poetic and mystical in their songwriting. Yeah, yeah. So, so I got really obsessed with them and um, started just writing my own music on the piano. Uh, I had my first show when I was 16, but it was all covers. It was like, I did, I did some Beethoven and I did some Tori Amos and I did the little mermaid and, you know, uh. just like, <laughs> and then when I, I started college a year early and went to, moved out of Princeton to Duluth, Minnesota, and then started playing open mics. And that's kind of really when I felt like something was happening and I, okay. I, felt really drawn to performing even though performing is like it's not my favorite like I'm, I feel like I'm sh I'm I'm not I'm 40 now so I'm not as shy but I'm I still am shy I still have a little little stage fright but I'm like especially then it was terrifying but I just mm -hmm. have always felt like compelled that for some reason I have to uh perform <laughs> these songs and I think that's what has like kept me going it's not like the easiest path but there's always like a compulsion to keep sharing them and getting it out there. Yeah. 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 So there's a lot to unpack there. Let's see. Uh, the <laughs> bribing and, it, and, and it, it could be, I, you know, this is totally non-scientific. It could be that the bribing has kept you on that path because I, I instantly thought of my musical upbringing. I grew up playing the drums and I don't know if you're familiar with the movie whiplash. Uh, Not. About the drum movie. Well, you should, you should check it out. And for those of you who aren't familiar okay. with it, uh, it's about a drummer who gets into a really prestigious music school and his a musical instructor or whatever is J.K. Simmons is the actor. And he like beats the shit out of him, almost literally like just a relentless, a relentless music teacher. And I watched that movie and I was like, oh, my God, this is the story of my life. Like, that's how my drummer teacher was when I grew up playing the drums. And and he definitely made me a much better musician and a much better drummer and I was actually you know not to brag I think I was a pretty good drummer but sure. it didn't lead to me as a career as a drummer you know what I mean like I was like having that having someone constantly yell at me and berate me and beat me down did not really inspire wow. the idea of and he never gave me candy either so <laughs> <laughs> wow that's intense I I just remember the first, and I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast, but I had a different drum teacher and he wasn't taking me to where I wanted to go. But basically in ninth grade, I didn't do well in the drum tryouts for marching band. And I was really upset about it with my parents. I said, hey, I want a better drum teacher to take me where I feel like I want to go because I want to be a better drummer. So they found this guy who was very popular among the drum circles in our community where we grew up as far as a teacher. He was recommended as a very good teacher. My memory is that he came for the first lesson and he said, okay, here's what I need you to practice on and learn for the next week. And the next week he came and he said, okay, show me what you got. And I hadn't really rehearsed. And within five minutes, he closed the book and he's like, I'll see you next week and left. He was like, you didn't rehearse. And so I'm not going to instruct you if you, yeah. And I mean, that was the last time I didn't practice for, you know what I mean? But it definitely taught me, but he was, relentless. he was very difficult. So it sounds like you had a bit of a different experience which didn't turn you, and I wasn't turned off, you know, I still, I have my drumsticks with me now and I still play. And I, you know, many, you know, I've, we talked about a little bit about Gamelan and I've talked about it on this podcast, I've played Balinese Gamelan. So I still love music, but I'm obviously not a yes. professional musician. I didn't carry with me the way it's carried with you. So I guess that leads into my question of at what point you said you played a little bit, like you had a little kind of some band ideas when you were young and junior high, mm -hmm. high school, and then you did like open mic. At what point were you like, 
I want to pursue a career as a musician. I want to be a professional musician. When did that strike you? It actually did strike me in eighth grade when I was like in getting into these. Yeah, I was getting really into these like like Juliana Hetfield and Belly and like these strong forces in like alternative rock. And like they, it seemed like like their music was really touching me and they were just like really uh, powerful role models. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and I was like, Oh, I just want to rock like them, you know? <laughs> and, and so my music has had, I've switched genres, you know, I went back to the piano and it's become more of like a, not, not easy listening by any means, but like more, you know, melodic, but then I switched and did grunge for a bit or more grungy electric guitar stuff for a while. Anyway. So yeah, eighth grade, I was like, I want to, I want to tour. I want to rock. I want to do this life. It looks so awesome. And then when I started playing those open mics, I was playing and working at this coffee shop in Duluth that was always having um, musicians come through on the weekends. And so I just was surrounded in that sort of coffee shop music scene yeah, yeah, <laughs> in, yeah. the, in the uh, you know late 90s. And then my boss at this coffee shop was like, why don't you make a CD? And so I was like, okay, I'll make a CD. And then I made a CD and I, you know, just one thing that I'll do another a friend's dad had a recording studio in Wisconsin. So I just went and did some piano and my friend played violin and I put out this 15 song album in when I was 19. And wow. it was just like kind of all the songs sound the same and it was super raw and like very, like very intimate and like, I've actually been going back and you've probably heard of Patreon, like mm -hmm. uh, that subscriber platform for artists. And so I've been going back and going through every single song chronologically and just sort of like dissecting it for the patrons. Oh, wow. okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's so embarrassing in some ways just to like listen to those old songs and um, how raw and, you know, I was like, wrote them when I was like 16, 17 years old. And yeah, yeah. Oh, it's sort of like songs about love and heartbreak. I am up, yeah, a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just kept going with that, and so support from other people, external validation, people that you know were telling me like, "Oh, you could do this," and and so all through college, I was playing shows, and I wanted to drop out, but but I did graduate from college. And and what's your degree in college? In college um, psychology. Psychology. psychology degree so yeah and and the art the other artist this must be a trend with with minnesota folks because the artist that i just interviewed kelly marie uh, previous episode she also has a multiple degree but one of them is in psychology and she's a visual oh, artist, awesome so it must right be something on. about psychology and art ties together oh for sure absolutely yeah. you you kind of touched on it and i think i read something about it that you consider yourself a bit of an introvert you said that you're kind of shy you didn't really feel like the but then you mentioned the validation hat hat like I can't really associate that. I think I'm much more of an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love being around people, whatever. So, but my, I guess my question is how did you overcome that? Like, what was it about the driving to perform that caused you to say, I'm going to be up in front of people and I can perform this, especially, especially your own music, which is much more intimate than doing covers or someone else's music. Oof. That's a big question. Well, I've read, um, you know, definitions of introversion, extroversion as, you know, what refuels you, what gives you sure. energy, you sure. know, and I've done the Myers-Briggs, uh, 
you know, test. And um, so I am like on that border of introvert, extrovert. Okay. So I'm an INFP (laughs) or an ENFP. Um, So, but mostly I, so I get energy, I get refueled when I'm alone, but I'll have spurts where I'm like super social and just like everywhere. And like, I have a lot of like dear friends and people that I love and, and, sure. um, but then I need to go and like, here I'm alone for 40 days in this cabin and yeah, yeah. I need this. <laughs> this is your downtime. Um, this is the refueling time. Yes. But when I was, um, to your question, I, when I was little, like even before piano lessons and all that, I would, um, I would put on puppet shows for my parents <laughs> and, and I would tell them, I'd like make them sit there on the couch, but I would say, don't listen to me or look at me. Okay. But I would make them sit there and then I would put on this like big show, like with my stuffed animals and puppets. Okay. But I would tell them not to look at me or listen to me. It was like very, but I would like make them be there, but they had to right. like, pretend that they weren't there. <laughs> so I think I feel like it's still a little like that. Like, okay. But but um my music is is very lyrical. So I actually mm-hmm. like would love if people listen to the words. <laughs> so, <laughs> but how I overcame that. Like, did you have stage fright? Yeah. And, and then yep. how do you, how do you overcome the stage fright? Just keep doing it over and over, like building muscle, yeah. <laughs> like building muscle. Sure, sure. And yoga, yoga has really helped like yoga um, techniques and like yoga sutra study mm-hmm. um, in like working with the ego and, sure. you know, uh, getting to know the mind and, um, being able to kind of get behind the thinking and just be more present in the moment. Yeah. And sometimes it's like being on stage and looking out uh, and seeing all these people, the overwhelm of seeing all the people when it could be broken down to like, Oh, this is like one person and another person, another person. And they're all, it's not like a mass. They're all just, each their own one person taking okay. it in, in their own way. And I don't have to look at it as like a scary mass, you know, tsunami of, <laughs> of energies, you know? Right. It's, right. You're able to connect more tricks. to the individual mm-hmm. on a one-on-one basis, even though it might be like, you know, 5,000 people, you're, you feel like you can connect to the individual. Is that, is that kind of more? Yeah. Trying, trying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well and so you're also a yogi and you yes. teach yoga yeah and and you lead yeah. retreats and i mean uh that's kind of the same thing like when you're a yoga teacher you're up there in front of a class of students whether it's five or mm-hmm. 50 or 100 you know 500 yeah like that's kind of the same thing you, everybody's looking at you as as the expert everybody's looking at you as the leader who's going to give them something whatever that may be, or teach them something or take them through the yogic process. Like, again, how, how are you able to overcome? How do you think about that in your mind? So you're like, yeah, I can teach this. Boom. It's going to be no problem. Versus you get up there and go, oh my God, people. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, certain things where I know I'm not for everybody, but I am for some people, you know, like music, yoga, whatever it is. And finding those certain people that it resonates with is a beautiful thing where like, you know, I've struggled with, with jealousy and comparison, but then I remember that like my, 
my album collection, my taste in music is vast. And like, yeah. I, I can I like hundreds of artists and hundreds of thousands of songs and same with my book collection. And, you know, it's like, we, we don't have to just be like, you can only like me or, you know, it's, it's connecting with, even if it's just like a, a song connects with someone, but maybe not the whole package, you know, it's with yoga too, like in the West, it's, I'm sure you've thought about this before. It's, you know, it's been a little watered down, a lot watered down where mm -hmm. it used to be just one-on-one -on -one teacher and student, right. at, at least in the lineage that, that I was trained in. And now it's, you know, huge. It can be, you know, a hundred people or a big yoga festival, but it's truly like such an individual process. And if you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone, then you can see their goals, their injuries, their likes, their dislikes, their body of the day whereas like in the group of course you're not going to be for everyone because everyone's got different goal intention injury right, right. flexibility you know they're coming in with trauma they're coming in you know everyone's got trauma but we're coming in with 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 so much and but just tempering that with like okay it'll resonate with maybe a few people and that's good and like with the intention of like yeah, it really depends on the intention, both with performing and yoga, you know, what, what do you want to bring? And if you are going to take this role and this stage, like it's uh, your responsibility to either entertain or really take care of people. So sure. I'm just trying to be like, okay, step into this role. You're an entertainer. So, <laughs> or you're, a, you're an instructor or a guide, you know? So yeah you had mentioned having yoga as part of having that yoga practice as part of kind of overcoming some of your, you maybe your introvertedness or your, your, your reservedness about performing as an, as an entertainer, you said. Yes. As like getting up there on stage, what is it that you love most about the entertainment process? Ooh, live music is you know, we'll never have that moment again, you know, mm -hmm. that collection of the, the, the collection of specific people that gather yeah. the, you know, the combination of that, the, you know, sound passing the way that it's received. It's all just like such a, it's, it's so intense, like, and it's one thing where um, for, for me, my mind is nowhere else. You know, it's like, a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far as like a flow state, but it's like all encompassing where like, I'm there on stage performing, connecting, you know, memory and story and sound and, you know, this, this elemental poetry with music and to this collection of people that will never again be gathered in the same exact way. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it's a perfect, it's like a, a passing moments, time capsule of sound. It's just fabulous. And like, even if it's recorded, you know, that'll, you, you never get the same energy, you know, right. it's just, right. there's nothing like live music, you know? Oh, it's so, yeah. so true. There's been many artists that I've gone to check out live and be like, oh, the music's <laughs> awesome. And then I go and I'm like, let me go grab, you know, back in the day, let me go grab their CD or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's not even close to, 
And it's because of that live experience. Oh, and you know, it took me a while to learn, oh, it's the live experience that really is the magical part of it. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I asked this because a lot of artists that I talk, not a lot, but you know, there's kind of the two sides of that artistry of the artist who like, I just want to create art. And so I'm going to create my art Mm -hmm. or a musician who's like, I'm just going to create music and put out music. But then you have Mm -hmm. that full other side. And I learned from playing gamelan. Playing gamelan is all about performing in front of people. You know, it's used and it's used in ceremonies. It's used in, you know, from weddings to funerals to, you know, temple ceremonies Mm -hmm. to political ceremonies. The music is is sharing like you said it's sharing with that moment in time that that energy that comes from the universe or god or whatever your spiritual power is Mm -hmm. you know through other people so it sounds like you've really also tapped into that in in your music and in performing your music which i think is fabulous yeah thank you yeah yeah my music i mean it's pretty it's pretty spiritual (laughs) like some of it you know I have a lot of elements and weaving in. I mean, some of it's crass and I swear a lot. And but um, but it is. <laughs> and there's like a place for that too. Bringing in, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's um, I mean, step like the the bird's eye is like that moment in time and how to fill it in the most uh, beneficial way for <laughs> for all. Well, well, let me, so you mentioned about like, you swear a lot too. And I've listened to, I, I don't know, maybe half a dozen or so your songs, dozen mm-hmm. or so your songs. When I discovered you, cause you have this single out that is your latest album, The World Is Your Lover. And that was the first one I heard first. And I was like, oh, this is, this is you know, like it, it connected with me. The music's good. You know, you have, and I don't remember the artist that, and I, I don't want to compare you to anybody else, but I'm like, oh, you have it. She sounds very similar to, artists that I've heard on the radio or whatever mm-hmm. and awesome. and I and I love it but then as I listen to more of your music a lot of your music that I listen to is different and granted you've like you even said you went through different phases I was just looking up now like I looked up your albums and you did an album and then you came back and you sort of remade that album on piano so that's a completely different yep. sound I want to specifically ask you though I was listening to you have this, this song on your current album called you fuck me up and you said yeah. you swear you said you swear a lot and this is something that we talk about with our with friends. I'm in a public speaking group and we talk about with that in mm-hmm. especially like in public speaking, there's a, there's sort of two different camps. One camp is you should never swear when you're giving a speech to somebody. And I think in today's day and age as language transforms and moves throughout time, it be, words lose their power or their power tr- changes and you may you said you gave your age away so you're 40, you may remember yeah. like George Carlin he had this like the six words that you could never say on TV or in movies or whatever, because they were sacrilege to say these words, whatever. And then I remember when they started allowing damn to be on TV and now you can say shit, as long as you're not talking about fecal matter, you know, you can say the word shit. And like in movies, like a radar movie can have one fuck. It can might be two fucks now, you know what I mean? But if you say fuck three (laughs) times now, it's a rated R it's no longer PG 13. And so they have all these rules around words and people really some people really get offended when you swear you know and in my belief is and this is obviously my opinion but words have the power of the meaning that we give to them. so back to your song you <laughs> fuck me up why did you choose that to be the lyric or the instead of saying like you screw me up or you know use a gentler word why was it you fuck me up oh i mean okay you fuck me <laughs> up versus you mess me up like right. how does it sit 
you know, it's sort of like, it's weak. You messed me up. <laughs> you know, it's weak. Right, <laughs> or you, right. sc- you screw me up. Like, it's just like not authentically coming from something I would say. Okay. I say, I say fuck a lot. It's, it's a, has many uses. It's yeah. a powerful word. It gets to the point. And that, that relationship really did fuck me up, like re- in a really bad way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's true. I mean, for me, that, that was true. And you know, it's, it's a cool song that I would love on the radio and my producer, you know, we, we just kind of banged our heads on the wall to try and figure out, like, could we say you mess me up in the radio edit or something, but it just does not sit the same, you know? Right. Right. Doesn't have the same power. (laughs) Well, and it sounds like for you, it had that power. Like you, you had, that that was a word that really described what occurred in that relationship Mm -hmm. where like you just said, if you use, oh, you screwed me up. That's not, nearly as powerful Mm-mm. i think the word fuck is like also millennials have really grabbed onto that word and have made yeah. it a lot more uh, not necessarily acceptable but they've made it a lot less powerful because it, and i know it's in other cultures too I have a, we have a hungarian friend and it's one of her favorite words she says it all the time <laughs> and she'll say it like without even thinking twice about it it's just a word that she says and i know you listened to the zia land interview that yep. i did and it was one of Zia's favorite words that she used a lot. And I think she said totally. it many times throughout the interview, like just, did, just rolled yeah. off her tongue. I was like, this, I like <laughs> totally want to hang out with her. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> so talking about writing songs and and mm-hmm. uh, like this, this you fucked me up and how uh, it was about a relationship. You write mm-hmm. songs about your life, yes? And, and mm-hmm. use that as a catharsis to deal with, with either past experiences or past trauma or or what have you. Yes. How does that transition from, I wrote this song and it's very emotional to me to I'm going to go on tour and I have to play it a hundred times over the next, you know, three months. Like how does the music still have that power to you? How do you deal with it? So I guess my question is writing a song that ha- that to, to provide some healing for you individually, how does that transfer to performing it hundreds and hundreds of times? Ooh, that's a great question. I, you know, I, um, I try, and I think this really goes for public speaking as well. I try to like bring myself into that emotion mm-hmm. that I was feeling when I wrote the song so that okay. it, it, I can like, so it can come across. So it becomes like very exhausting. <laughs> right. Sure. Cause I'm trying sure, to like sure. step into that one example that I probably do not want to go into that emotion when I'm performing is um, I've, I was sexually assaulted and I have written a few, it's a big, um, a big passion of mine to fight against sexual assault and prevention and, you know, letting people know that like this happens all the time and we just need to support survivors. And so I, I wrote um, a song called petty misdemeanor in 2017 I actually wrote it in 2016, 10 years after I was assaulted. And it okay. hap- I, I wrote it like literally right before the Me Too movement exploded. It was kind mm. of crazy, like how that, like the timing of it, like it was sure. just like, I, I recorded this and then it exploded. And it was just like this big wave of, you know, survivors coming out and telling their stories. So in that case, you know, it took me that long. It took me 10 years to really talk about it at all or write a song about it or tell anyone except very close friends and then just last year I was on this 
album called the Me Too Minneapolis Collective, Me mm. Too Minneapolis. Okay. Um, and there's 17 Minnesota artists sharing stories, some personal things that have happened or, you know, just like thinking about the Me Too movement in general and like being in the music scene and just certain, certain harassment these artists have dealt with, et cetera. Sure. And the song I wrote in that was called How to Forgive Your Rapist, which oh is God. actually not, it's not at all about how to forgive your rapist. It's about like the shame that people put upon survivors, the, sure. the victim blaming and how like we sometimes from that, we can pick up on that and absorb that. And it's a lot of the healing work is forgiving ourselves, you know, because yeah. there's all this talk like, oh, if you were drinking, like for me, it was like, oh, you were drinking and, you know, or other people, you were drinking, you were that, you out late, you were wearing that certain thing, you know, all this like victim shaming, blaming mm -hmm. stuff is horrible. But so with that album, there was so much press. There was so much press. And with 17 artists, I was on these email threads with 17 yeah. artists and their publicist. And so every fucking day, it's, it felt like for like months, I was getting emails about this project and like more opportunities to talk about it, more opportunities to write, you know, write about it or perform or whatever. And I was just like, it, it was exhausting because yeah. I was like, I agreed to be on this thing, but it's just constantly being hit with my trauma over and over multiple times a day, you know, a different yeah, thing. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. But I also like, back to that album the the proceeds go to Planned Parenthood like it's all like really good stuff and it's all like something I support so much is this sure. yeah like yeah. awareness and just like caring and supporting survivors so I'm so behind the movement obviously but it was just like really having to have boundaries and like set up this like protective bubble for myself of mm -hmm. like I'm not going to respond to that or I'm not even going to read that email or I'm like, just going to like, just kind of compartmentalize to like be able to deal with this and like look at it on another day, but having um, just, yeah, like you said, getting up on stage and breaking down over something that you haven't worked through, like trauma, like a, a, an event like that is like always with us, you know? Sure, sure. And so really having to choose like is this the show that I'm gonna perform that like is my band with me supporting me am I alone what is you know I've performed it for like college classes and like different events for the cause so I just have to be really like when I'm going deep into those you know more trauma vortex type songs I have to like be really prepared right yeah. right right I guess it's probably yeah. a fine line of like because you do want to connect to it emotionally, right? Like, and mm -hmm. because like, you wrote this song and the song will be more impactful if you have that emotional connection that you can share to the audience so they can also feel the emotion. But it, if you overstep that line where it reconnects to the, you know, puts you back in that spot, you know, you could mm -hmm. lose it all, I guess. Yeah. So, so I imagine as, an, as a musician, a performing musician, like you have the songs that you love to perform and, and they're, they're always going to be fun and you look forward to playing them. Yeah. How is it that you go, okay, this is a song that I need to perform because it has a strong message that I want to share with the audience. How do you prepare yourself for that of like, oh, this is going to be heavy. Well, you know what I mean? Like, oh, this yeah. is going to be a heavy one. How, how do you, how do you deal with that? 
Yeah, I there's an art uh, which I'm not so great at or enjoy whatsoever doing of making a set list and mm-hmm. a song order. <laughs> I just like absolutely hate doing it for some reason. But my, the band needs it for like their preparation. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you yeah. know, um, play, you know the the placement of like okay, if I'm gonna go in this really deep way, this more towards the you know more uh, challenging places that might be very emotional, heavy, um, then I try and like slowly come back out of it. You know, there's like the the peaks and the valleys and the the journey of the show, you know? So just like looking at that map of like, what are the emotional moments? You know, how can we, you know, and coming out of like a song like that and going right to like a super like punky pop song like that doesn't work really well either it's like oh right, like right. well okay we're moving on you know that's like spiritual bypassing so try and like slowly come out of that and you know a lot of it for me is especially like a so I do primarily solo shows um okay just you know it's right now it's, unless I'm in Minnesota with the band because you know it's I'm still an emer- emerging artist you know so like paying the band I want to pay them well and touring sure. is very et cetera. But so in the solo shows, I kind of create my, I have like a general outline of the show, okay. the set list, but I'll often on the fly, you know, in the moment feeling like kind of the vibe of the, the listening, the room and go from there. It's like, so will you change your set list? Uh, like will you yeah. change, you throw in a different song if you're like, Hey, I'm losing yeah. them or whatever. Or, Absolutely. Or like they're really with me and I'm going to take them further. Yeah. Totally. That's cool. Yep. I, lo- I like that. Yeah. That's cool. That's yeah. <laughs> well, let's get a little deep into art, if you, if you will. Okay. Specifically, yeah. you know, we're talking about music in general or music, but let's yeah. let's talk about some art because a question that I I love to ask the artists is specifically about art, and and that question is why should we care about art? Mm. So, I've been thinking a lot about like art as being very political, and okay. you know the. Um, also in processing and catharsis in my songwriting of uh, relationships, it's starting to become more political in like environmental protests or environmental awareness and sure. like the Me Too movement. And, you know, um, art is how we respond to our environment. It's a way to process external events and have it like channeled through us and, and processed without words, uh, the flow of sound. Oh, geez, I just, it's so important. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you, you, you hit it there. You, uh, you said art, art is how we connect to our environment. And I, I, yes. think that's, I think that's a really true statement. You know, we connect to our world through art mm. and through music. I mean, music, someone said, music is a soundtrack to our lives, which it really is, yes. you know, and, and we can think back to, the music that you're listening to in high school and then like through college and then the music that you're creating and then your music is, is touching people in that same way who, especially I think for, you know, and I guess I actually, it doesn't really matter. I think if you're doing like, you know, sheer candy pop music versus something that's really deep and soulful, they both have a purpose because, or, or a place because someone's listening to it and it's re- doesn't matter what it is, it's resonating. So you may be creating music that's comes from the heart that comes from, past trauma you created music about sexual assault and someone else who had a similar experience listens to that and goes wow that's that's my story 
you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's so powerful and that's art right there, you know? Yeah, I think I've been thinking about bridges a lot and, you know, how like someone, like even in, we're all bombarded with art every day and design, you know, and like, like we're surrounded by structures that someone created and dreamt up, you know, a freaking bridge across a gorge, you know, of the Rio Grande, you know, somebody dreamt that up and created that and made manifest this bridge from across a 500 foot gorge, you know? And so, and, and just thinking of like, you know, every structure we're in, every book we pick up, every, you know, everything is like a creation. So I think, we can think high arts with artists making paintings and songs and things like this. And also like creativity in, you know, functional ways, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, indigenous cultures, art was their life, was life, you know, the um, working in the elements and the seasons and, and pottery and weapons and, you know, just this, this, yeah. Connecting with our environment. (laughs) <laughs> yeah back to that yeah 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 for sure well it's funny Building like archaeologists like oh, archaeologists well I was gonna say like archaeologists when we look at ancient cultures or civilizations as they dig what do we find you know we look like you just said the pottery the art you know cave paintings on the wall things like yes. that like those are the things that are left behind for future generations is is the artistry you know it's it's yes it's pretty wild what do you hope to give the world as an artist Ooh, I mean, it's funny. I'm just going to go with the first word that came to my head, mind was healing. Okay. Um, but I, I like have a, a very challenging time with this word. Like it kind of makes me puke um, when people <laughs> call themselves healers. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. It's just like, it feels like, oh, that feels really, it's been, music has been extremely healing for me, mm-hmm. um, listening to music and creating music. And if I can soothe someone, um, whether it be with like the grungy electric guitar, you know, or the piano or harmony or whatever it is, if I can soothe someone in a way, if it resonates, I I would be very happy. Cool. Awesome. Healing. Now, you said you had mentioned this earlier, so I'm going to bring it back around. Emerging artists. One of the cool things about today, and you mentioned also, is, is like Spotify or any of the music apps is such a great way to connect to artists. You know, when I grew up, it was the radio, you know, you listen to the radio and it's all the music that you hear is all determined by what the DJ plays. And then Mm -hmm. over time it became more and more corporate and the corporate decided what music was going to be played. And so it didn't matter what city you went to. If you listen to pop radio, it all played the same. If you listen to rock radio, it was all the same artists, no matter where you were in the country, at least Mm -hmm. that was my experience. And with the internet and with, Spotify and Pandora and Apple Music and Amazon and all these different music apps, you can really find, that's one of the things that I love most. And you said you have sort of a love-hate relationship. It is such a great way to connect to new music. I guess my question or leading into is, Mary Bu is a name that I didn't hear until I started looking at artists in Minneapolis. And then I came across you and then I said, oh, let me check out our music. I was digging on your music and here we are talking. However, Taylor Swift, someone who is on every radio station has toured around the world became very very popular as a musical artist i don't really know what my question is but how, like that difference there between like <laughs> how did she get to that peak level was that manufactured 
did she get lucky you know versus like where where you're and not to take away from your career because you're obviously a successful sure. musician you're working as a musician you're touring you have this mm -hmm. chance to do this 40 day retreat in the middle of nowhere which is awesome <laughs> so you're obviously very successful as well but i guess it's a it's sort of like this recognition if you will you know what mm -hmm. like the justin bieber's of the world versus the kid who just continues to busk on the corner of the city that he lives in right talk a little bit about that difference if you will i guess that would be my <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess if I knew I would maybe be a Taylor Swift or something, <laughs> but I, um, I appreciate that honesty. <laughs> Candid be nature. Awesome. I mean, it'd be, it could be cool. You know, I put my first album out in 2000 and here okay. we are at 2021. So yeah. my career has been, I started performing in 98. So it's been over 20 years. Sure. Um, in 2020, I finally got to play the, a room that I've been wanting to play like since I was like 15 years old, First Avenue, which is this famous club. Prince opened it. Okay. <laughs> and it's just like this phenomenal club in downtown Minneapolis. And um, finally got to play there. Actually, it was this just this May. And then got the Songwriter of the Year Award. And, you know, it just, it took, it just was like this long, slow arc of like, I'm not sure what it was but I'm okay with, with the timing. Like I feel sure. happy about it, but, but earlier in my career, I was very impatient and I told you, I struggled with jealousy in comparison mm -hmm. and I've had friends catapult from the small music scene that I was in, um, into, you know, very big success Okay, and just like feeling like, Whoa, how did you do that? You know? And it was just like this, had this thing you know that that this I'm not sure what it what it was or what it is but when when that feeling started to eat me alive is when I took a break and started studying yoga mm, yoga philosophy okay. and and one of the things that has helped me so much with that sort of ego struggle or like grasping for success and the wondering like I work so hard I bust my ass like why am I not further than but I'm like a lot you know more down the path than so many other people who might be jealous of me I don't know sure. you know sure. so um but there's one yoga sutra that talks about persevering practice over a long period of time with out attachment to the outcome Okay. So that feels that like sits really well with me as like, this is a long, beautiful, really interesting path that I'm on. And yeah. I'm in it for the long haul. You know, I've been doing this for 21 years, putting albums out and writing music and like exploring art in all many different mediums. I do a lot of writing, I do painting. So I'm just like, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm curious of what can happen. I'm going to continue to do it because it feeds my soul and sure. try, uh, try and release this attachment to any sort of fame or success because it is very uncertain. Like I did not expect to get songwriter of the year or, yeah. you know, any of that. So it just is like, oh, good. And then keep going. <laughs> all right well congratulations on that and thank you of course absolutely and for all of the you know and i know that i wanted to say this earlier like the, the, the whole the sexual assault thing is bullshit and i'm sorry that happened to you but i think that in in many regards 
it, it has made you stronger because instead of becoming a victim of it, you've, you, you've really tapped into becoming empowered by it of like, Hey, this mm-hmm. is a shitty thing that happened to me, but I'm going to turn it around and find strength in it. And so I really mm-hmm. applaud you for that. I think that's, thank you. I just want to say like, you mentioned two things there and you didn't mention the word specifically. I uh, will come back to that. The, the other thing you mentioned was about uh, being present, but like a very Buddhist concept of being present and being aware of where you are right now as as all that really matters and and the stuff that happened before got you to this place but that's but you're still at this place and where are you going to go tomorrow doesn't matter you're still being very present and aware of of today and i think that's really important for an artist or for anybody you know it's such a such a beautiful way to to look at the world it's something that i i espouse to be most present most of the time it's it's challenging you know as a human being to be to be present unlike a dog that's most present all the time <laughs> lives in the moment. Yay. <laughs> and the other thing you, you mentioned on, like I said, you didn't really say the word, but it was gratitude. It made me think of gratitude. You're talking about the, yes. the ego and how you, you would see people that you sort of came up with in the music industry kind of advance faster or further along than you. And it was hard at times to, to not feel that jealousy or feel that like, and we all, I think have experienced that to some degree in our work or in our career or whatever in our lives where, man, I work so friggin' hard. How, how come I'm not getting the breaks that I want? And I wanted to mm-hmm. just mention like gratitude, I think is so important. And yes. um, we talked about early on your inspiration with nature. You're grateful for the sun setting over the ocean and the wind swirling the grains of sand around. And you're grateful for the sounds of the trees and the surf. And just, I think like, that's really important to be grateful. And it, mm-hmm. from human to human, we so often forget that of like, being grateful for someone else's success. You know what I mean? Um, as an artist, mm-hmm. especially of having gratitude for even a little success. But then, yeah. like you said, going, that's great. And let me move on to the next thing. Like, I'm grateful for this success. Like you won the songwriter of the year and that's such a great accomplishment and you feel great about it. But instead of sitting there and basking in it, you're like, okay, I'm grateful. I appreciate the accolade. Let's move on and move forward. You know what I mean? So there's kind of the yeah. duality there being grateful for your own success, but I think maybe even more so being grateful for the success of others. Does that, does that resonate with you at all? Yeah. Yeah. I think when joy is celebrated, you know, it's for us all, you know, the, mm, that's beautiful. Um, my, my joy, your joy, like it's, it all is beautiful, you know, like I'm so much happier to see someone else happy than you know, they're suffering, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it is just, can we just be happy for each other? You know, <laughs> I feel like right now I'm, I'm in this bliss zone. I'm, you know, by the ocean. And yesterday I was walking down the street and there were unicorns. There were like miniature ponies <laughs> with unicorn horns. <laughs> and so I was like, oh my God, I got a picture with them. I'm like, I'm, but yeah, I'm yeah. like, just be happy for me. I'm happy for you. I want you to like, you know, I, I know I'm like so privileged in so many ways. And, and I, I recognize that. And, and I just, but it's, I want, you know, I hope for people to find their pleasures and their, their joys and their, in their days, you know? Yeah, well, that's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Find pleasure in your joys and your days. Yes. Uh, as we begin to wrap up, this is a question I haven't asked very often. I used to ask a lot, but being that you should your age and that you have a 20 year plus uh-huh. career in the music industry, I'm going to ask yes. you if you had 60 seconds with that, that six, you said you're 16 when you put that album out or 19 or mm-hmm. if, you 19, had 60, yep. if you had 60 seconds with your 19 year old self, 
what, what would you say? What piece of advice would you give to you? Wow. I would tell her to not worry about what other people, what other people think to just continue to create with heart and with gratitude, as we've talked about, and with wonder and curiosity, because there's so much beauty ahead. Yeah. Do you think she, you think she would listen to you? <clears throat> yes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. She'd probably be like, whatever. <laughs> Isn't it funny, like what having that, the the I don't know what they but like the wisdom of the years to mm -hmm. to go back and and be like wow you know it's all gonna Maybe work if out. I would have said okay. like fuck those people. <laughs> She'd be like okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we just have to learn it as we go, you know. Right, right. That's very Find true. Our own way. Whatever anyone tells us, it's we just have to figure it out ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. We have to take our own path, regardless. Mm -hmm. Mary Bue, I really appreciate you sitting down chatting. If people want to connect with you, I now you your your last name. If I man, is that your real last name or is that a stage name? It's my real last name. Yep, it's Norwegian. Is, is it okay? Oh yeah. no, one of you connected yeah. with Zia Land because she yeah. said yeah. you're half Norwegian or yeah. Yep. So so Mary Bue, you I if people want to get a connect with you, I want you to share that. But I if you go to Google and Google your name, your last name is spelled B U E. You own Google. So awesome. <laughs> I believe the whole first page is all, oh, there's, and the, the end of the first page is all articles that are specifically about you. Awesome. So if anybody wants to find you, Mary Bue, M-A-R-Y-B-U-E, they can yeah. find all about you on online, but specifically, where would you like people to, to connect with you through? Yeah, I have a website, marybue.com. I have a Patreon. I'm very active on a couple times a week and for, you know, you can support it's a way to support artists for a sustainable artist life so nice. many artists nice. are on that yep um it's you can do a, a one-time sort of membership thing or monthly however your budget um so that's cool a lot of fun bonuses on that and then i'm really active on instagram as well mary view music mary view music at mary yep. view music mm -hmm. on the on the igs yeah. exactly cool. <laughs> Well, what do you have? What do you have coming up this year? I know that you've got you're doing. Uh, we talked a little bit before we started recording about a mycelium uh, conference where you're teaching some yoga. Yes. Um, are you going to be also performing music there as well? Do you think, or is it just a yoga thing? Or yeah, I've been really involved with this conference, the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, and they have okay. a a general like a big herbal conference as well as a mushroom mycelium conference. Mm. Um, and so for this one, I'll be teaching yoga in the mornings and in my yoga classes, I always perform music during Shavasana. So I sing nice. during Shavasana. Oh, yeah, that's and, beautiful. Um, I love that. I love that. Song. Yeah. I bring guitar or ukulele or sitar sometimes. And then I'll probably do some campfire music and stuff like that. Pretty, pretty chill. I'm performing. I'll be doing a West Westerly tour that's starting to shape up. I'm playing the for sure confirmed in. Los Angeles, San Diego, and uh, Phoenix right now. So that's okay. the um, end of August, early September. And then and I'm, sure, I'm gonna sure start we can find that on your website. Website, We're, yeah, yeah. Dates and dates and times and everything. Okay, awesome. Yep, and then um, I'm going to start recording another album at the end of this year. Starting oh yay! It. So, so yeah, number number nine. <laughs> yeah. All right, number nine. Yay! yay. Exactly. I know. 
Yeah. Uh, we didn't even talk about your uh, your plant-based lifestyle. Yep. <laughs> yep. I've been vegan for almost nine years. Wow. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. My wife and I are so much. mostly vegan. Like, or awesome. 2015, we made the switch. Uh, and it's a little bit more challenging here and vegetarian for sure. sure. But, you know, yeah. haven't haven't eaten meat in five years. It's been one of the best changes I've ever made to my life. Oh, We're just going to throw so that in there. Yeah, <laughs> go vegan. No, <laughs> or just become more aware, friends. It's a that's journey. right. That, that's right. Become more aware. Find out where your food comes from. Any last words that you'd like to share with the art unknown audience? Well, I have a very, I have just a tagline. I say, "Follow your bliss." I got it from my psychology friend, Professor okay. Bud McClure. You know, it's very. You know, it. I think when we follow the little bread breadcrumbs of our pleasures and our our joys and our what brings us life and spark, it just can unfold into such a beautiful life. You know, whether or not you can go to the ocean or, you know, take forty days in a little cabin like privileged little me. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, in your daily life, just inviting more bliss. I love that. Follow your bliss and in, invite yeah. more bliss. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Well, Mary Bue, thank you again for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you chatting with me and, and sharing some insights into your life and your music and your yoga practices and your art. And uh, I wish you all the great success in the world because you're fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. What a pleasure to speak with you. <laughs> my ego is huge. My ego is bruised. The music from this episode of the podcast is, of course, Mary Bu. The title of the song is My Ego Is Huge. It is off her latest album release, The World Is My Lover, and you can find Mary Bu's music anywhere you listen to your music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, Bandcamp, anywhere. Just go find Mary Bu's music and listen to it today. Now that the episode is finished, head on over to ArtUnknownStore.com where you'll find art-inspired activewear and accessories from some Art Unknown podcast artists. Once again, that's ArtUnknownStore.com. And, special bonus, podcast listeners get 10% off your purchase. Just use the code AUPODCAST10 when you check out. Once again, ArtUnknownStore.com. Thank you again for listening to the Art Unknown podcast. My name again is Jim Wills, and it has been an absolute pleasure to bring these stories to you. Now, let's make sure we take care of one another, and as always, remember, feed your soul with art. Behavior can't take it anywhere on its worst.